0: today on the scott thompson show on 900 chml lots of chatter at the beginning of the covid 19 uh, pandemic because we are in week number seven now if you're keeping score um there was lots of uh, chatter about the uh tokyo olympics and whether they would be held whether they should be postponed and and so on and so forth and uh, canadian athletes very much a, a part of uh, I, I guess, the push to to postpone this. And and that's exactly what had been done, uh, postponing the uh, the games from 2020 to 2021. Now they're saying if a vaccine isn't found prior to the 2021 Olympics for COVID-19, that there is a possibility there's chatter going around that they could be postponed or cancelled again. To talk about all of this, Stephen Wen is with us, professor in the Department of Kinesiology and Physical Education, Wilford Laurier University, and is with us now. Stephen, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Not a problem, Scott. Happy to be with you. Uh your thoughts on where Tokyo is with this. My goodness, it was already a massive decision to push this back, and I think everyone agrees that it was the right uh the right situation. But boy, can you do that twice?
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting news that's sort of broken this morning. Of course, it's uh, medical uh, officials in in Japan sort of putting a bit of a marker in the ground. I think um, you know the IOC did the prudent thing, though somewhat maneuvered and pushed into it by, as you uh, noted, uh, Canadian athletes, Australian athletes, various NOCs. Um, they did buy themselves a year and. You know, it's just really, really hard to be able to project where we're going to be next February, March, April, where in a normal Olympic year you would be seriously ramping up for a Summer Olympics. So uh, I think I think this is just the case of of uh, the Japanese trying to stay ahead of the story this time because uh, you know it, it really was something that looked almost inevitable in terms of a postponement. Um, but it got dragged out and dragged out. And I, I think they just want to, you know, stake out some territory in terms of decision making. And it's probably not unwise. Uh, I, I, you know, what would the Olympics be with no fans? I don't know. Would mm. they do it? Would they bring athletes to Tokyo well in advance of the games, put them in isolation before having the games uh, take place with no fans? Um, I think the IOC is probably going to take a lot of cues from professional sport in this sense uh, with respect to what baseball, hockey, basketball, football, you know, what the next six months brings will really dictate what next summer looks like.
0: So, obviously, if you've decided to postpone the games from 20 to uh, to 2021, there's uh, you know an incredible amount of logistics involved in that. We can just imagine what that must be like. But uh, again, considering where we are, and if you're going to have to make those plans anyway, should you just not postpone it for two years? How how does that uh, is that as easy as it sounds?
1: Yeah, I mean, really, the one year postponement, I liken it to. It's trying to you know when you're dealing with something. Uh, as logistically uh, tangled and entwined as, as trying to host the Olympic games, you know, it was like trying to turn an aircraft carrier around. Yeah. Um, And, and I think, you know, there's some hope that they can be staged next year. I mean, I think you have to look at the logistics, but you also have to consider the costs. Like the the estimate is that this is going to cost Japan on the basis of the postponement alone, you know, between 2 and $6 billion. That's on top of the 12.6 that's already been invested in it. So there is going to be a certain amount of uh, pressure, uh, financial pressure, to stage the Games. But, uh, you know, the National Olympic Committees, in a way, are going to dictate what form they take because they obviously have the ability to just say, uh, you know, no, we're not, we're not going to put our athletes in there. Um, but again, I think we have to we have to get a read on the situation um, over the next six months before we can really, um, you know, have a reasonable idea as to how things may play out.
0: What does this do for the schedule, for example, in regard to uh, the Winter Olympics? Because we know you know they've been spaced out, so one's one happens and then two years later the other happens. Uh, obviously, we're we're now jigging with that pattern. H- how does this affect uh, the Winter Olympics? Uh, yeah, would they have them both on the, in the same year? Would they try to to spread those out a little bit? Because there was obviously reasons for spreading it out and not having uh, the Winter and the Summer Games during the same year. H- how does this throw off the whole schedule? Yeah, there, I. You see, the, part of this is the appetite for hosting both. Uh,
1: festivals in the same year would be very, very slim. Um, yeah. It would really burden the television partners. And, of course, in right. most major television networks, the same network uh, televises the Summer and the Winter Olympic Games because most television rights packages are sold as multi-festival contracts. So NBC would have no desire um, from a logistical and even cost standpoint, to try to televise the games twice in the same year. Um, And neither would the European networks, uh, Asian networks. Nobody would want to have to to tackle that. And that's, in part, a major reason why the IOC moved away from what had been the the previous uh, template for hosting the games, both festivals in the same year. So I sense the appetite for that would be pretty limited. And maybe that's why, you know, uh, within these announcements that have come out of Japan within the last uh, number of hours that they're saying, look, if we don't get it in next year, we're just not going to be doing it at all. The only thing I sort of was thinking about, pondering, having no way of knowing whether it's even been floated. But if those games in Tokyo are postponed in 2021, and they're not going to be held the following year, and you're not going to put them in 2023, the year before another Olympic Games, to overshadow it in some respects and cause problems with your sponsorship contracts. Might, and I emphasize might in block caps, the IOC, you know, contemplate talking to Paris and Los Angeles and just saying, look, what what if we back these all up? Yeah. And Paris, you did. 2028. And Los Angeles, you did 2032. And we slot Tokyo into 2024. Might that happen? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Uh, That would cause, you know, a lot of fallout for those cities as well. Um, But I mean, I think you got to have all kinds of different Uh, potentialities on the table at this point.
0: Um, Well, really, the discussion would be between between that option or, as you said, if they bump it back to 2022, then having the two held, meaning the summer and the winter in the same year, uh, obviously, if there's not an appetite for that, we could very well see it go to 2024. Could we not?
1: Yeah, or or just it goes by the boards. You know, it's just, hey, they didn't happen. But... Boy, that would, be, uh, that would be some hit uh, for Tokyo and some hit for Japan.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: I have no knowledge on this as to whether that's even being contemplated. But, uh, you know, given the disruption to the planning of the other cities and this particular circumstance, might they even be open to it? Um, hard to say, but it's worth contemplating, uh, you know, I think the idea is you want to make sure that whenever and wherever the games are hosted, uh, they're safe, and they're safe for the athletes. And uh, that's got to be the priority.
0: Would it be much of an effort to those two cities that you mentioned that are after Tokyo? With logistics at this point, would it be difficult for them to bump those back? Uh well, I mean, they they were. Because you got to think, got to think. A, a the majority of the work is not... Paris uh, would
1: have done a fair amount of planning. Los Angeles, right. um, you know, has had to engage uh, people on a, an organizing committee over a more extended period of time uh, than past organizing committees because of the decision in 2017 to award uh, the two festivals at the same time, which was. What do you mean? A fortuitous circumstance that they had two good bids and they had two cities willing to to work on this particular timeline because the IOC has been struggling recently uh, to entice cities to to bid for the games. And of course, the situation with Tokyo, if they end up taking a total financial bath on this, that's not going to help a longer-term bidding environment for the IOC either. So that's probably got to be at least a
0: consideration or a thought, I would think. And you bring up a great question. Who's going to pay for this? Like who pays for this to be even delayed uh, postponed or even canceled. I mean, obviously, uh, Japan's spending the, the money on infrastructure and, and such, but what about the IOC? Do, do, would would they reimburse Japan for any of this?
1: Uh, well, there'd be some cost-sharing, but, I mean, the, the burden, most of it would, would fall on the, the host city. Um, and that's why, you know, I think in the wider Olympic world, uh, you know, fingers, toes, Eyes, they're all crossed right now, uh, hoping for much progress uh, in terms of dealing with uh, the pandemic over the next six months so that uh, it's not something they really have to contemplate going into 2021.
0: You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900CHML. Uh, we know this is more than than just a series of games. This is industry. There is a lot of people involved in this. What does this do for the movement? What does this do for the athletes that are uh, trying to train for something that's that's floating? That's a moving target.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to imagine the the type of. Uh, Sort of the, the, I will say the, the mental toll that this is probably, uh, taking on, on aspiring Olympic athletes and especially those who'd already qualified. Although, uh, should the games go forward in 2021, you know, if you had qualified, you're in. But, uh, you know, these people are used to being extremely active and, uh, now their ability to train is, is greatly compromised and of course the great concern going into this situation was that if you know the the ioc in tokyo were committed to going forward with it you were going to have an unbalanced competitive uh, lineup because different people were able to train to different extents in different regions of the world so at least they pulled that particular issue off the table by extending things out to 2021 so what it really is doing in my estimation is uh It is really testing the mental toughness of these athletes in this particular circumstance. And the ones that uh, are able to persevere on that front uh, over the next number of months are are, are going to be the ones in 2021 and beyond who are going to be able to excel because this is, uh, you know, they'll all be able to get themselves up to a physical level ability and physical conditioning. they they'll be able to eventually get back in the gyms but you know it's the it's the mental conditioning and the mental tool that uh i think the athletes their coaches you know olympic team sports
0: psychologists they've got to be really cognizant of moving forward how will this change the olympic movement uh... moving forward uh, you know you made reference to the bidding process uh... we've seen in the last couple of years cities not as interested in jumping on board the olympic movement as they once were maybe you know twenty thirty years ago you know it was a huge boom for a city to get this now many are questioning the expense and and trying to see if they can use other facilities that have once been used and and refurbished and such how is this going to change the movement moving forward do you think yeah especially the mean, they, like they've the got to sure handle the extent, this right
1: uh, there is a lot on the line uh, as to whether these games go forward next year or not uh, for the reasons i indicated uh, earlier because i do think that uh, should they be cancelled outright um, that's not going to do anything in a, of a positive nature for the longer term bidding environment um, you know I've, I've often thought that at least on the summer olympic side of the equation you know, these, these things are getting very big. You're talking 11,000 athletes, 20,000 media personnel, countless thousand spectators from all around the world um, with the risk for cities of losing money. So, uh, you know, what I've envisioned is, hey, if you're going to have these games, especially in the Summer Olympic side of them, what about splitting them so that they're staged in two cities uh, at the same time, but in different regions of the world, um, so that the exercise in planning and expense is not as severe, the burden is not as severe on any one city in any one country. Or, um, you know, not that we can do this in the immediate term because you've already got Paris and Los Angeles sitting out there, but, you know, why not, when you give uh, a host city the games, uh, give it to them two events in a row, and so the money that you may come up uh, in the red on the first iteration gets paid off on the second one. Games are still ambulatory. They still move around the world. It's still the way that Kubertan envisioned it. It doesn't move towards a permanent site model, which the IOC just, you know, has been historically very, very reticent to contemplate. Although that idea may come circle around and come back in discussion. It's just something I don't think the IOC really wants to envision. But there's ways to try to reduce fiscal risk and maintain the ambulatory uh, nature of the games. So, you know, it may be much in the way that the 2017 thinking about getting Paris and Los Angeles named at the same time, you know, was somewhat out of the box. Maybe the IOC's going to have to, you know, engage in another out-of-the-box thinking exercise going forward.
0: If you're uh, one of those future cities, Paris or L.A., what are you thinking right now? What, what are you concerned about?
1: Uh, well, first of all, you're relieved that you weren't 2020. <laughs> That's the first thing. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I, I think to a certain extent, Right now, they're going to be placing a little bit of faith uh, in medical science that uh, they're not. If if Tokyo went by the boards and then Paris rolls in in 2024 and LA in 2028 as it is currently scheduled, um, you know the world will have turned the corner uh, by that particular time. And so you're hoping for the best, and uh, you're probably watching very, very closely as to, you know, how sport manages, uh, you know, entry of spectators going forward. We're used to going into professional sport events, um, and walking through metal detectors. Are we now going to be walking through, uh, machines that take our temperature? I don't know, but I mean, there, there's, Mm. there are going to be all kinds of, uh, approaches taken to managing large gatherings and that's going to play out for a period of time at least
0: uh on an unrelated but sort of related note what will we see in pro sports do you think in the next few months will we see the end of a hockey season will we see the end of a basketball season i sure hope not um
1: but again uh at the end of the day you really have to, if you're in uh, an administrative position with one of those professional leagues, you have to put your employees, um, and in that case, the most important ones are the athletes themselves. Um, Their health has to be front and center. And, you know, a lot of these leagues are going to take major financial hits. The players themselves, they ultimately uh, may be taking a financial hit this year as well um i know there's still i mean there's a yearning amongst the population for leagues these leagues to get up and running and that yearning is just as severe within uh the administrative structure of of all the leagues but you've got to let the science um rule the decision making here and they've got all kinds of scenarios mapped out in terms of when a season could end when there could be a a new season starting and um I think the athletes, the leagues, uh, fans like myself, we've got to do our best uh, to demonstrate patience with all this and and make sure that whatever decisions are made, they're made in the best interests of uh, the athletes and the fans alike.
0: What do you think it'll be like sitting at home watching a hockey game, uh, say being played in Edmonton, and nobody in the stands? It'll be a little bit eerie. Uh, Shoot, I, do we need uh, an artificial laughter, uh, applause track in there like they do with the sitcoms just to make it feel more warm?
1: No, I hope not. But, you know, one thing, that if, if, <laughs> the, uh, if the facility is mic'd up uh, really well, I mean, the real purist hockey fan is going to get a lesson in just how much communication takes place on the ice between players good point when you're sitting uh watching an nhl game on television or if you're lucky enough to be able to go to a game and watch one at a at a national hockey league facility you know the noise is such that uh you don't you don't understand just how much actual communication is going on between the players on the ice and you might uh hear that now they're gonna have to have it on seven second delay because (laughs) Sometimes mm, yeah. some of the language you wouldn't want to be hearing all the time as well in terms of the chirping that goes on. But I, I think it could be really fascinating to, to get a lesson in, in one of the things that makes a professional hockey player uh, so talented. It's not just the vision and the ability.
0: Uh, it's also the ability to communicate. And we mm. might get a lesson in that. Good point. It's like watching our politicians without them beating on the desks and thumping their chests. It's just them there with, uh, without any of the ambience. Uh, Stephen Wynn has might, been with us.
1: In that case, they might get through things a whole lot faster than
0: what exactly, normally Exactly. Happen. Stephen Wynn, professor in the Department of Kinesiology and Physical Education, Wolford-Laurier University. Stephen, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Be well. You too, Scott. Take care and have a wonderful day.